online gaming podcast, show number six. I think I was half asleep when I did this one, so you'll have to excuse. I tried to cut out most of the yawning in it, and I really apologize for this being almost a week late. Um, I had a lot of problems with Audacity, and uh, as evidenced in this, I didn't get much sleep this week. So, uh, on to the show. Welcome to the Online Gaming Podcast for August 21st, 2006. This is show number 6. Uh, to, today's review is of Boardspace.net. Uh, I was just on there testing out their games a few days ago. I ran into the developer, uh, a D-Dwyer, D-Y-E-R. I uh, got to talk to him for a little while and chat with him in the client and... Uh, Got some insight on Boardspace.net. Boardspace.net has a number of uh, games on available. They're all what could be termed abstract games. Uh, Hive, Goblet, Tracks, Line of Action, Plateau, Zerts, Yinch, Punked, and Hex. It uh, was made as an example of how a game could be made using the Boardspace system. Boardspace.net uses Java. It has a nice uh, Java detector on its uh, page when you when you go to register. The registration minimum minimum info is required: your name, a login, password, email, and country. Uh, though you can put Planet Earth if you don't want to tell them your country. So very little information required. Logging in, there's an auto login with a cookie. If you like that. Uh, and there's also something called preferred language, and I'm guessing that the interface comes in these different languages I had and actually tried it. English, French, German, Spanish, Catala, and Norwegian. Once you've logged in, you get into the lobby. Uh, you can click the name of the game to change the game in each room. There are I think about 30 rooms in the lobby, each of which you can change what game's in that lobby. And then you click an empty player spot to enter the game. If there's a, uh, You can click that and wait for another player to come in, or you can play against one of the bots. Uh, most of them have a dumb bot and a smart bot. Um, I found even the dumb bot to be uh, pretty difficult to beat, though I'm not very good at any of these games. Um having only really seen them played and never actually playing them myself. Uh, I played the game, and uh, I got my uh, butt handed to me uh, more than once in most of them. I kept thinking, well, maybe I've got a strategy now, but uh, the computer player, the AI, is uh, is good enough. Uh, I'm sure some people who are very good at the games will come in and say, oh, it's terrible. But, uh, you know, Kasparov playing against a computer also says that the computer couldn't beat him. So, I mean, if you're really good at the game, you're going to beat a computer. Uh, As for the interface, the Java interface seems to work uh, very well. There's a timer for each player. If, for whatever reason, you close the game session, if you start it again, you can start the game in progress. It, It saves after each turn. Uh, I think there's an auto-save. 
and each game is is saved and you get a ranking in the in each one of the games or I, overall I'm not sure um, I noticed my ranking kept going down I don't know if that means I was just because I was playing I was getting better or whether I was getting worse so let's go into the games and how the different interfaces uh, worked. I'm just going to go in the order that they're listed on the homepage, and Hive was first. Hive is a game played with hex tiles and insects on them. The tiles in the in the boardspace.net conversion look, look nice. I've seen better tiles in some homemade games, but their tiles work for the game. I, I like the graphics. Uh, basically, the object of the game is to surround a queen, and all the movement is, is there. You you cannot make illegal moves, so that's very good. Hive is one of the few games on there that has uh, that much in the way of color, but that's because, as with most abstract games, there really isn't a lot of color other than black and white. Chess is a classic abstract game. And black and white checkers, abstract game, black and white. Or black and red, depending on... Anyways, um, there are none of those basic games. Uh, the implementation is is set up so that they could have backgammon, chess, checkers, and the like, but because there are so many other sites you can go to to play those games, um, I'm pretty sure board spaces is saying, you know, if you want to play backgammon, there's a whole huge community over at some other site, Yahoo or whatnot, that you can go and play that game, but you're not going to be able to find a place to play Lines of Action, Goblet, uh, Zertzy Inch. Not many other sites have those. I think there is an implementation of Yinch on Brett Spielvelt, but... Uh, it's not as smooth as the one on boardspace.net. Trying to check my notes here. Yeah, Yinch. And, um, the one on boardspace.net is actually, uh, uh, much smoother. I found that, uh, I had zero problems with Java. Um, the person who programmed it, uh, this, uh, D-Dyer, he definitely knows his Java. Uh, everything was very smooth. So let's go next game, uh, Goblet. Goblet's a very simple game where you move uh, these, they're, they're cups, they're turned upside down, and they go down in size, and you put them on the board, and while it's not easy to tell the difference in size from the isometric view, there's an option to go to a top-down view, which I found uh, actually a lot easier to use for that particular game. But again, I didn't grasp the strategies too quickly, and the uh, the bot took me out. Uh, next game, Tracks. Tracks is a game where uh, there are two different pieces, a crossroads and a curves piece, and they have uh, the different colors. You, you, you're either uh, essentially, again, black or white, but I think it's brown and white or something like that. Then you take turns placing the tiles and the first person to make a complete circuit or a line that's eight columns or rows long with with it doesn't curve in on itself that actually exits off the side wins the game. Uh, there is a technique that 
to winning the game that is essentially placing a tile so that other tiles, if, if only one tile will fit in a specific spot after you place your tile, it's automatically played. So the computer's very good at putting down a tile and then three more tiles pop up because those are the only ones that can be put in, uh, uh, next to it. And then they complete and win the game. And I'm sure if I played the game about hmm, 30 more times, I might catch on to that. And uh, I definitely plan on returning to BoardSpace.net to play some of these games against the bots to get better at them. And I am actually looked up a few of them to see how much they cost to uh, to buy them because they seem to be some very simple games. Uh, I would call a lot of these gateway games because I can see them using wooden pieces on a nice board. Um, if they do, I'm not sure. Go- Goblet looked like it it did in the uh, the computer version. Look like they would be wooden pieces, and if, if they are, that would be a fun game. It might be expensive, but uh, games that look good to the casual player are the ones that get played. It's why you don't see many casual gamers playing war games, because they look at those counters and they shy away. But if those were miniatures, uh, they might have a different different take on it. Um, so I definitely plan on returning, playing some more tracks, that's for sure. Uh, Lines of Action was a game where you, you try to get all of your pieces touching it. It's set up on a checkerboard and there's a set of your pieces running down. Uh, well, well, there are... I'm trying to remember. I think it's six. Because chessboard's eight by eight. It's either six or eight down the... on all of the edges. The, the, the corners are kept empty. And... Uh, the white is on the bottom and right, and the b- black is top and left, or vice versa, or something like that. And the object is to... Actually, they might be top... I'm screwing up my games in my head. I think it's top and bottom is black, and left and right is white. And the object is to get all of your pieces touching each other, even diagonally counts. Uh, not as easy as it sounds. Your pieces can move uh, in many directions, and they can move up to a certain uh, number of spaces away from the pieces you already have. You can jump your own pieces. You can't jump your opponent's pieces. Uh, you can't land within a certain range of your opponent's pieces. And all of that is, is spelled out in the implementation. When you click on a piece, it tells you where you can where you can put the piece down. That's uh, that's how you end up with uh, that lines of action. Again, I was shown up by the dumb bot over and over. There's a unique variation, which is what I was just looking up. Uh, lines of action, POTM style. Uh, there was a contest held, and the deadline was January 31st of this year. Uh, LOAPS is a game where you move your piece on a 7x7 grid such that they land on bonus scoring squares and or become connected. A piece moves in a straight line horizontally, vertically, or diagonally. The number of squares you may move is determined by the number of pieces on the line of movement. You may capture an opponent's piece by landing on it, but you may not move past an opponent's piece. There are some special squares that will award points every time you land on them. There's a 50-move limit and a total time limit of 60 seconds for all moves in the game. 
Each side begins with four pieces. They're set up very differently, though the movement is very similar. Huh. How it can move as many spaces as there are pieces on the line in which it is moving. That's very interesting. So that implementation is up on board space, and again, I believe it is actually uh, the only place, the the only place where you can find the Programmer of the Month lines of action game online. So if you're interested in playing a interesting variant, you can go over there and go over to board space and play that. I, I didn't actually play the uh, variant, so I'm not sure how exactly that works. Uh, next game, Plateau. Plateau's a... Uh, it mentions in the summary... Uh, l- let me let me read what it says. Some abstract games are based on simple rules that take only a minute to explain. Plateau is not one of those. But don't be put off by the relatively complex rules. Plateau is worth the effort. Plateau is a game played where you stack pieces on top of each other, and each piece has colors. And depending on what colors are up and down, it determines what the power of the piece is. It's kind of interesting that you know uh, which pieces are. Your opponent doesn't really know. There's a lot of guessing, uh, which is also why there's no AI for Plateau. Um, <laughs> it's it's hard for the computer to make a lot of guesses based on uh, information it doesn't have. A computer's a very logical system. Um, AI is very easy to write. It's not, you know, it's simple to write. Let me say simple, not easy necessarily, but it's a lot simpler to write when you can look at the entire board and you know if I put a piece here, this will happen, yada, yada, yada. It's a reason why chess is actually a very easy program uh, to write, a chess AI. It's one of the first AIs that most people write when they're in an AI uh, programming class. I took one back in college and that's what we did, is we made it a chess opponent, or checkers opponent, or, or some kind of abstract board game opponent. Um, to, and a lot of the algorithms and everything else that was taught in that class uh, came into play. But a hidden information game is a lot harder, because the computer is either going through a preset uh, motions that it would do no matter what, which means it's a very bad opponent, or it's making, it's trying to guess what pieces are on the board based on uh, just pure guesswork. A game such as Stratego, where you're facing an opponent's army that is randomized and not visible to you is much more difficult for a computer to play. Um, as a as a human, we kind of like surprise and don't and our brains can quickly try to guess certain things. We do a lot of a lot of if then statements uh, to use a computer term in our heads that for a computer would be very very complicated. We know if one person is moving a piece boldly. <laughs> um, 
that it's quite possible that that is a more powerful hidden piece than one that they might be keeping in the back or hiding away. For a computer to know boldly (laughs) uh, is actually very, very hard. So Plateau, because of the hidden information, doesn't have an AI. Even if uh, they were to program an AI to it, unless they spent a lot of time on it and... uh, and a lot of CPU cycles. Yeah, it's very doubtful that it would be a very good AI. It's it's always a problem, an AI that doesn't know all of the information. If the AI did know all the information, then it would be cheating. So <laughs> it's two sides of the story. I mean, I, I can hear somebody saying, well, they program AI for Warcraft and all those complicated games where they don't know things, but in those games, the computer does know what you have, and unless it's specifically programmed not to cheat, it cheats. Um, I can tell you f- f- it's a it's a well-known fact that the original Warcraft AI cheated. It knew the exact location of your camp at the beginning where you had no clue where your opponent's camp was. Stuff like that you don't want to have happen, in, especially in a board game that lasts five minutes, because you're going to get beat over and over and over again, and you're going to get really annoyed. So it's either a really hard AI or a really simple AI that everybody can beat. So to find that middle ground which has a a viable opponent, you need another human. So (laughs) that's a long explanation for... uh, Uh, and I'm off on a huge tangent, but I just wanted to explain that because some people are always saying, why isn't there AI in this? Why can't, you know, I have a computer opponent? Um, I hear it a lot in the online CCG games, which is just insane. Trying to have a, a computer opponent in some of those is, uh, almost impossible. There's so many things that could happen, so many things it has to think about. Um, and every time you add new cards, of course, it becomes even more difficult. And I know, I think Magic Online had computer opponents, or maybe it was the Magic the Gathering computer game had computer opponents, but the computer opponents were terrible. Uh, they, they didn't play very smart, they played a set strategy. And uh, it, it was very easy to beat them. Okay, well, I've I've gone off on that tangent long enough. Let's get back to the get back to the games on BoardSpace.net. Uh, next one is Zertz. Uh, Zertz is actually the game that I believe started uh, on BoardSpace.net. I think it was the first one on there. If I looking at my notes correctly. Zertz is a fairly simple uh, game played on, I believe it's the Gift Board, G-I-P-F, or based on the Gift system. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and G-I-P-F is the is kind of the father of uh, abstract games that are not chess or checkers. Uh, played on a hex board. And in this case, it's a uh, well, it's a four by four by four by four by four, uh, four, four spaces on each side, and the object in Zertz is to win by is to win 
by collecting uh, colored balls that are placed on the board. The board is set up with a whole bunch of rings, and the balls are placed on the rings. And your turn consists of putting a ball on the board and taking away a ring. If at any time there is a checkers-like capture, meaning there is a piece right next to... uh, There are two balls that are right next to each other, and you can jump one of them, you have to you have to capture. The computer, uh, the bot on boardspace.net is uh, very good at throwing down um, the, the white ball, because you only need four of them, and putting it right next, putting it so that you have to jump with it, and then it puts it right next to one of its that it can jump back on. Because since you can manipulate the board, because you're picking up a ring after you place a ball, uh, you place the ball and you pick up a ring, it can kind of you can kind of manipulate the board to get that optimization. And I noticed the computer beat me a number of times that way. Um, just by placing, uh, placing it so that I had to capture because you don't have a choice. It's just like in checkers. You have to take a capture if there's a capture available. So, as it says in the summary, beginners typically find themselves completely outclassed, but most learn quickly. Properly played, every move in Zerts is a puzzle to be solved. Uh, Basically, with abstract games especially, uh, if you make a mistake, you're generally going to lose to uh, the bots. Uh, playing against another human, maybe you can win. Because maybe they'll make a stupid move, too. But not the bots. Okay, so that's that's Zertz. Um, next game is Yinch. Yinch is another game that uh, I found. And, and it does say it's it's from the GIPF. I'm not positive Zertz is. Zertz might be uh, separate, but I think it's made by the same company. If I don't miss my guess, yes, it is. Zertz is made by the GIPF company, but uh, it may not be. You may not be able to play it by buying GIPF. You might have to buy Zertz. Okay, Yinch. Yinch is a gameplay with rings and tokens. Uh, the goal of the game is to capture three rings of your own color. Uh, you put five rings on the board. Every time you move a ring, it leaves a chip behind, or token, and it changes the color of all the chips it passes over, similar to Othello, but really a lot different. (laughs) Because you can't move your chips, you can just move your rings, and your opponent's rings block any kind of jumping in any way. And and when when you jump, it reverses the color of of all of the chips. So if you jump over your own color, you'll change them to your opponent's color. If there's ever a row of five, that has to be eliminated. They're removed from play, and then a ring of the same color is removed from play. In fact, if you're not smart on your own turn, you can help your opponent, because the object is to collect three rings of your color, and if you jump over a bunch and form a row for your opponent then that row is removed and one of the black rings or gray rings, depending on which side, is removed for your opponent. So, uh, 
Now it's kind of interesting because as you're removing rings, you, you have fewer and fewer in the end. Before you get the third ring, you only have three rings on the table, and your opponent might still have five. Mind you, you only have to remove one more to win. But that's kind of the balance in the game. The implementation, again, really well done. You can't make any illegal moves. The bot is pretty good. Though, uh, and I see Yinch being played a lot. Uh, at least when I logged in, everybody who logged in was playing Yinch. Um, not that there were a lot of human players, but they were all playing Yinch. Next game, Punkt, or something like that. It's P-U-Umlaut, N-C-T. Punkt is a is an interesting game. I I have never seen it. Again, it's part of the GIPF collection. Um, again, I'm pretty sure it's sold in a separate box. And the object is to connect the opposite sides of the board with your pieces. Your pieces can... Uh, they have to be played next to each other, and they're of different shapes. Some are... It's a, it's, again, it's a hex board, and You've got straight pieces, you've got corner pieces, and you've got triangle pieces. It's not represented greatly in the online implementation um, because you really need a top-down view. But the pieces have uh, points on them, or posts, that you can stack another piece on top of it. It's it's hard to see. I mean, obviously, in the game, you can click on a piece and put it on top of another piece, and it looks that way, and there's a little button that you can push that that pulls the pieces that are sitting on top of other pieces up and down. But if you're playing without reading the entire rules, it becomes a little bit... It just looks a little weird. You're like, what? why is there a darker or lighter thing and... How do you put a piece on top of another piece? But once you play it a number of times, uh, you'll really get you'll really get into it, um, and and how to use the stacking of the pieces to block your opponent from connecting the board up and stuff like that. The last game, uh, and I alluded to it a little earlier, is Hex. Hex is a very simple game, uh, similar uh, to Punkt. And it's connect the opposite side of the board with a chain of stones. That simple. The computer, uh, especially the the dumb bot, will do the same thing every time trying to connect. Now, it's similar to playing against a computer that's going to try to use, what, what is it, the four-step checkmate. It will use that strategy over and over, and when you block it, it gets confused. The web page says, alas, the robot player for Hex is really, really dumb. This is primarily because hex is a pretty difficult problem for a computer. Um, trying to do the pathfinding is, is is not as simple as you might think. So once its direct route is uh, shunted, it really uh, it really has difficulty trying to, to to get past your defenses. You should be able to at least play that game and win against the computer. Um, I can see BoardSpace.net getting a few more games on it, um, as long as the AI can be programmed for it. Uh, most of the time when I was on the site, 
they were people were playing against bots. Uh, like I said, I, I saw I saw Yinch being played a lot against uh, the computer. Uh, I'm sure there are times online where there are more players. Um, it, it was by no means empty, but there was maybe one, two, three players at a time. While I was on, everyone was playing a game. I don't, I didn't see any playing against each other, but I don't preclude that from uh, happening at times. There are tournaments, there are rankings uh, that are fun to to get involved in. There's a forum. Uh, there are probably maybe a hundred messages overall in there, uh, but there's a big there's a chat client in each game, which is very good. So uh, very useful. So I found that to be uh, very good. Uh, and that's pretty much my review of BoardSpace.net. Um, I highly recommend it if you're looking for any of these uh, abstract games. Uh, and they're also very good for improving your mind, much better than playing Solitaire. Uh, I'd suggest going to BoardSpace.net to play something like Goblet, Tracks, Lines of Action, Hive, uh, Zert, Inch, Punct, Hex. You can play them all against the computer. Uh, Plateau is also a very good game, but you'll have to have another human opponent at the same time playing with you. But in all honesty, uh, if you want to play a game that was uh, not your ordinary, a little bit more puzzle type, uh, then I would suggest BoardSpace.net with all of its abstract games. Uh, these games are not ones that are available uh, in ver in many other places. I have seen, uh, checking my notes, like I said, Hex is available somewhere else, but Hex is pretty easy to write, lines of action. Um, but the implementation on BoardSpace.net is very good. Um, so I would check them out mainly because they've got the bots. So if there's no one online, you can play against a bot. Someone shows up and goes, hey, you want to get a game of Zerts? You can play a game of Zerts. They're all two-player games, so you're not waiting for you know, three other people to show up, like sometimes happens on Brett's Spielveld. Oh, waiting for people to show up for a three- or four-player game. So, boardspace.net. Uh, I'll have the show notes up with the the different games and a little synopsis of uh, of each one, which is just basically what's the object of the game and and any of the special features that the online version gives you. And I will see you next week. Uh, next week's show, I'm hoping to review SpielbyWeb.com, which is one that has a lot uh, more of the Euro-style games. Uh, Amon Ray, Bus, Hacienda, Hoity Toity, Reef Encounter, Tikal, and Wallenstein. Um, and that's that's the review for next week. And I'm going to go over to I'm going to cut out and go to the Fritz Fieldwelt uh, review that I said I would start this week of part one as soon as we come back. Here's the top ten reasons to listen to The Dice Tower, a podcast all about board games. Number ten. 
If you're listening to this, then you probably dig top ten lists, and there's one in every episode. Number nine, it's way edgier than NPR. Number eight, you don't want to be the last person in your gaming group to know about Moritz Eggert and Rick Thornquist's gaming news. Number seven, Tom's soothing voice has been proven to lower stress levels in lab monkeys by 63%. Number six, you can never have too many contributors, and the Dice Tower features at least five every week. Number five, it's the only way to find out whether Tom Vassell is really that positive. Number four, you can feel like a globetrotter without having to actually fly to Korea. Number three, unlike your favorite TV show, you can count on a new episode every week. Number two, you can say we're there at the beginning after it becomes a massive global phenomenon. And number one reason to listen to the Dice Tower, you'll finally be able to put a voice to those 4,921 game reviews you read online. So come out and join us at www.thedicetower.com and listen to our weekly episode of The Dice Tower. We'll see you there. This podcast is proudly listed at the best podcasting directory on the internet, podcastpickle.com. We now return you to your regularly scheduled download already in progress. Okay, this is part one of my review of Brett Spielvelt. I'm not sure how many of these I'm going to do. I plan on reviewing uh, two to three games in each one of these reviews. Brett Spielvelt is one of the largest online gaming portals that's out there. It has a lot of support from the German board gaming community uh, and a lot of Germans and French and a lot of Americans too uh, visit the site. I think when I sent an email a few years ago asking how many subscribers they had, they had somewhere around a million, uh, which is quite a few. <laughs> to say the least. I'm not sure exactly how many games get played on there. I think it might be in their wiki, but it's in German. So, they have a lot of games available on there, a lot of the Euro games, and there are a lot more on their list to be done. Uh, one of the big coups they had was they had Thurn in Taxis, which is uh, the latest uh de Jars or Game of the Year award winner um, online at the same time it went uh, it was available for purchase in the real world uh, <laughs> and that was a that was a big coup because it uh, obviously was game of the year and they had it online as soon as it came out which was uh, which was really cool and they have a lot of games online a few that I have played uh, so far. I have played their online version of Ra and their online version of Kalis. And those are the two I'm going to talk about. Or is it Kalis? Kalis? Something like that. I'm going to call it Kalis. Or Kalus. I think it's Kalus. Um, <laughs> so those are the two I'm going to talk about. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about the interface to Brit Spielvelt. I'll wait for another show for that. Uh, I have a few issues with the interface. I'm always typing slash manager down in the chat to get me back to the game manager because I always seem to get into their metagame, which is their game within a game, and I always get lost and I just want to play the games. Um, So I'm not 
I'm not too impressed about their lobby system, but that's a rant. So I'm going to just stay with the games. <laughs> okay, Kalus. When you get into a game, um, was it three to five players? Um, the, the board is obviously smaller because they can't have the full size uh, fit on most people's screens. And a couple abbreviated things like uh, there, there are more things handled than pop-ups. Um, mouse-overs to tell you what buildings are available or what it takes to build a residence or what it takes to build um, a brick in the castle. But you just like the game, the, the, the board game, you take your your pawns and you put them on the spaces you want to you want to use and then once everybody has passed and put themselves on the bridge it starts to cycle through and it does that automatically it'll skip over um, if you don't have the ability to do something like if you turn one if you put somebody in the jousting well you don't have the blue square or purple square was it purple square uh, yeah it's purple square no. Purple square is food. Blue square. It's blue square. Uh, you don't have the blue square to use, so it'll skip your skip right over it and just keep going. It'll automatically do the turn order if you're in there and switch that up. If you're just collecting a resource and there's no choices, it'll just collect you the resource and go by. So the game actually plays uh, pretty fast. I played three games of Kalus over, the, over a couple days, and... Only the first game lasted over an hour, and that's because we had connection issues where uh kept dropping out and having to rejoin the game. Once the game got going, I think the total time was 45 minutes for the game. Uh, it, it pretty much plays like the regular game. I, I had a few issues where I uh, messed up the rules and thought I could do something somewhere, and I couldn't. But the implementation is sound. It doesn't let you get away with anything illegal. Um, and it will skip you over if you can't buy things. Uh, sometimes you, you sit there and go, oh crap, you know, I wasted the pawn, you don't realize it. Um, there's no real uh, system to <laughs> get anything back, so... Uh, that'll happen. That happens in real games, too. Usually in a casual real game, uh, someone will point that out to you, which is why it's always better to play games in, in person with people, but uh, when you can't, you can't. Uh, the other game, it was Raw, and Raw is an interesting game because there's a bag where you pull chips out of, and the implementation of that is there's a little icon that looks like a little bag that you click on. One of the most notable things that new players have trouble with with Raw is where the Raws show up. The Raws start an auction. And there are this series of red dots across the top of the screen, and that's when hap that's they, they they light up when a Raw is drawn. Which, uh, <laughs> for most people, uh, when they first play it, they're asking, where do the Raws go? How do we know how many Raws? And it's those little red dots up at the top. Now, it's not very hard to tell them in the chat. It's the red dots up at the top. As long as they're speaking the same language as you are. Um, I've run into a number of games where I've seen someone uh, <laughs> in the chat 
uh, one, one person was French, one person was German, and one person was speaking English, which was me. Uh, we, we managed to play the game, because, well, the game transcends that. But <laughs> there wasn't much chatting going on. Generally, when you log in with an English or a French or a German login, um, it will know to put you in that room and try to put you with players who speak your language. But you can get into uh, places where they aren't. So, no big deal. Uh, Ra goes pretty much. You put the tiles out. If Ra comes up, then everybody goes cycles around. You click on the Ra picture if you want to Ra. Um, there's no cool sound effect that goes Ra that, uh... I mean, there is a sound effect, but it's it's just not the same as when you actually play the game and uh, the way we used to play it is you had to yell raw and smack the figure, uh, you know, pick it up and really clunk it down. So, uh, <laughs> real life, a lot, lot more fun. But uh, that's the the implementation of raw sound again. Um, it's a little confusing uh, on how you do certain things, like uh, how can you use your god. If you have the god, you just click on one of the tiles up there, and, and that's the one you take. Um, bidding is pretty simple. Uh, when Ra's going around, you click on your, your auction token uh, to bid when it's your turn. If you win, you, you automatically get the stuff, and everything sorts around. Um, I came close to winning in one game. One guy got really lucky. He had five rivers, six rivers, and we tried to keep the flood tokens away from him, but uh, he managed to get one in the end, and uh, that allowed him to win the game. Though I think he might have won without that, but it, it, it definitely hurt the rest of us because he won by 12 points or something. And uh, it would have looked a little bit better had we been able to hold him down a little. So, as for those two implementations, uh, both Ra and Kalus, uh, very good implementations on Brett Spielvelt. Um, Brett Spielvelt is brettspielvelt.de. It's B-R-E-T-T-S-P-I-E-L-W-E-L-T dot D-E. Uh, there's a link on there that for English or might be a Union Jack or something, so that you can go to the English side and then log in. He uses Java, so you'll need to have Java and it has a bunch of chat windows that pop up that you can't get rid of, which is another little annoying thing about the interface. But that'll get me on a rant, so we won't go there. But uh, if you want to play Raw, if you want to play uh, uh, Kalus, so far those. Uh, those implementations, uh, sound, always find players for the most part. Uh, never had any problems. K-Loose is a little bit harder. Raw seems like you can find players any time of the day. But Raw's a faster game than K-Loose. K-Loose takes about an hour, hour and a half. Raw takes about mm, 30 minutes. So... If you're looking to play those games, and obviously a bunch of other ones that are on Brit Spielveld, uh, you can go to the BritSpielveld.de. Um, and next week I'll be back with a uh, another review. I'm not sure which games I'm going to review off of the Brit Spielveld list, but 
Um, I'm hoping to review Niagara. Um, I'm pretty sure Niagara uh, is on my list to review. And I'm also thinking of reviewing Bazaar, but don't hold me to that. Um, it's probably going to be the ones that I can get a good game in, uh, or a good couple games in, and report back on how the interface works. So until next week, I'll see you later. We hope you enjoyed today's online gaming podcast. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, please go to onlinegamingpodcast.blogspot.com or email kdivine at yahoo.com.